today I want to preach a message that um, I hope that you'll understand before we get through why I'm doing it. This, this study is on revival. I thought I had my series of messages laid out, but God interrupted it and put this one here. And the reason I believe he is, number one, God is just not going to send revival that makes a corpse look exciting. He ain't going to do it. In fact, we've come near having revival, the last three or four revivals, last three or four funerals I preached, and we have in this church. Now, something's not right about that. Something's not right about that. And God wants to send revival. And I want you to turn your Bible to John chapter 7. And today, I just want to preach on the subject of let the river flow. Let the river flow. I choose this text because I really believe that the reason many people give up on the fact of ever having a victorious Christian life is that when they get saved, they think everything's going to be hunky-dory the rest of their life, and all of a sudden, the devil shows up, knocks on their door, slaps them in the face, spits on them, and walks away. And they say, what's this all about? Next thing you know, they're backslidden out of the will of God because they did not know how to handle that. And our churches then get backslidden because we've got a bunch of folks out there that never gets victory. They don't handle temptation. They do not handle suffering. They do not handle any kind of opposition. They just don't know what to do to keep the revival going. And so today, I want to talk to you about let the river flow. And my text is John chapter 7, verse 37. And I will go to... A few more today. Listen, the last day, that great day of the feast, and it's just a feast of the tabernacles here. That, that was, that was a, a happy time. Feast of tabernacles is a happy time. I just happened to one of the times I've been to Israel to be there during the feast of the tabernacles. It's a happy time. I mean, they're all on the, on the Sea of Galilee is covered up with Israelis in them, them little, little bikini britches that men wear. And, and uh, then, then and their, 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 their wives up there all wrapped up in, I don't know, blankets and stuff. And then you see them going down the road and they got their tabernacles tied to the top of their car. And you go to everywhere you go, there's just people and there's 100,000 people of the tribe of Cor came and blew the trumpets in Israel. And I mean, it was just a, the Feast of Tabernacles today cannot even compare with what it was then. But imagine, imagine what it was like on that great day. Everybody thought, man, it's going to be like this from now and this is the way it's going to be. But that's not right. One going to stay like that. And so at the end of that thing, look what Jesus said. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. Jesus stood and cried. Now, that word cried means he spoke real loud. Okay? And look what he said. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly... That's the word that we use for heart. It's who we are. It's our innermost being. 
biblically. That which flows out of its belly shall flow rivers of living water. So what does that mean? He said, verse 39, but this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And I want to talk to you today on let the river flow. I'm going to pray this prayer with the thoughts going through my mind of the water rushing by my knees as I walk through Hezekiah's tunnel. And I thought, God, this is exactly the way it is. It's fresh, it's clean, it's pure. Down here in the heart of the earth, I mean, it's, it's beautifully clear. But when it comes out, it's nasty and it's dirty. And so today, some of our stuff goes in real good, comes out real bad. So let's ask God to do something. Father, speak to us. Help us with this text because uh, the other this message because it's going to be some things that's hard for all of us to take. But it's also going to be some things that's easy for us to do. And so I pray, God, today that we might hear you, we might listen to you, and that we might not fail you in any, in any attempt today that we would have to live and to love and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been so good to us, and I'm so grateful for it. And God, in this service, I, you know, I, I don't know if one, you need to save one, you need to save 10, you need to save 20. God, it really doesn't matter which place you are in line when you know you're going to the same place. So God, just save some folks today and get some God's people right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. The mighty Amazon River is 4,000 miles long. It is a powerful body of water flowing into the Atlantic. This powerful uh, mass of water begins as just a very trickle, just a very mere trickle from the Andes Glacier. And as the Amazon winds across the torrid wilderness that it has to kind of go through there, hundreds of tributaries, hundreds of tributaries begin to pour their waters into the Amazon River. So great is the Amazon's power that even when it reaches the Atlantic with all these tributaries all the way that has come these hundreds of miles down when it gets to the Atlantic after going all those miles the Amazon refuses to die it refuses to quit it just keeps running and you can see the Amazon River from 100 miles out in the Atlantic River that's what I'd like to see happen to Hillcrest Baptist Church. That the tributaries would all start running in the same hole and we would get a river rolling here that would roll outside the doors of Hillcrest Baptist Church and it may not go 90 miles, but if it just went nine miles, I'd be happy, amen? 
And so he's talking here today about what he wants to do. He wants to send the Amazon River flowing through his people as tributaries so that when it gets to where it needs to go, it is a mighty power. And so uh, I talk to you today on let the river flow because all of us are just little bitty rivers. And we flow into, we flow into that huge river, the Amazon. And so wouldn't it be great if we could have an Amazon revival today? Uh, you see, some of us don't have enough stuff coming out of us. It's just barely enough to see it trickling. Some of us got a little bit more. Some of us got a little bit more. But none of us probably are doing what God wants us to do. If we could all get folks to understand that that same river is in every one of us. And that same river wants to flow in you, whether you're a woman or whether you're a teenager or whether you're a boy or girl today, let's let the river flow. You say, what does that mean? Well, it just simply means what later on in the book of Acts calls the filling of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit. God desires to work in your church and in your life by his Holy Spirit and through the work of continual revival. Not revival every now and then, but continual revival. That's how God continues to work in a church. I'm going to tell you, folks, we've had some pretty good runs here. We've had several years of real good runs here. And then we've had some dry runs. And I think we're in a dry run right now. And I think it's about time we get that trickle. At least turn it on enough for the dog to get a drink out of it. Amen? Let's get something rolling here. Let's get it going here. And God's going to tell us how. Before I get through today, we need some of that new life flowing down the aisles of Hillcrest Baptist Church and pooling at this altar. That's what we need today. If revival, if revival, Galatians 5, 16 says, walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, you won't mess up like you're messing up if you'll learn to walk in the spirit. But if you're going to walk like you always walked, you're going to mess up like you always messed up. But if you walk in the spirit, you're going to get victory like you've never had before. And that's all he's saying. Just get full of the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's what he's saying. Perhaps you've never received the life to which John talks about here. Perhaps you never received a life in John 10, 10, where he says, I am the door. If any man come in, I'll receive him. And he'll go in and out. Maybe you've never come there. Maybe you've never come to the place to where you've heard him say, he is my sheep. I know him by name. And he gathers you up in his arms and saves you. Maybe you've never had that experience at all. And if you haven't, there's no river that can run in you. But there is a river waiting to run through you if you'll bow on your knees and cry holy if you look at the cross of Calvary and cry Lord I repent I love you I'm sorry for my sin I believe everything you said about what you could do on the cross I don't know how you do it but I believe it I believe you rose from the dead I believe you're coming again come into my life and all of a sudden he'll gush into your life that's what he's talking about right here continual revival but if you haven't had that happen, when we get to the end of this service, why don't you get it done? I learned something the last several weeks. 
I learned you can have a revival with a bunch of deadheads sitting beside somebody who's hungry for God. I've learned you can have a revival with a whole bunch of lost people around. Listen, folks, it's not up to somebody else where we have revival or not. It's up to us where we have revival or not. And so, surrendering to the Holy Spirit, the Hillcrest Baptist Church River. Wouldn't it be nice that they could rename Town Creek the Hillcrest Baptist River? And it could stay almost at flood stage all the time. I guess we probably need to go down a little bit so you can go up there and get your shoes fixed. About all up there right now. But you can go over and get your shoes fixed. But maybe that's never happened to you. Can I, can I beg you right now at the end of the service? I plead with you like Paul pleaded with his own people. Why don't you let the river flow into your life, okay? Are y'all ready for this now? You see, first of all, if you're going to have continual revival, if the river's going to keep flowing in your life, if you start seeing things slow down, if you start seeing things start to trickle, if, and then you see it start to drip, you know there's something wrong and you need to make sure that you let. Notice the word I said, let. Say, say it with me, let. I don't know if you can spell it or not, so I want you to say it, okay? Let. The river flow. I can't help you with that, and you can't help me with that, but God can. Okay? Here's five things, five things that you need to keep for keepsakes. Five keepsakes to let the river flow. Y'all with me? Now, I'm going I'm to hit her, hit, her, hit her and put her in high gear, and we're going, all right? Ready? The first one is you need to keep yourself from the accursed thing. In the book of Joshua, chapter number 6, Israel had just entered the promised land, and there they was to face Jericho, which in that day was a mighty stronghold. Walls were very, very, very thick. In fact, they were so thick that there was homes built in the sides of the walls. This was a tremendous stronghold of power. But that's the way that they had to get into the promised land was right there in that place coming out of the desert, right up into this beautiful oasis at Jericho. And so that's where it lay before them. Well, they went and looked it over. They sent two spies in there. And you remember that they got hit in a well by, by a, a harlot, a harlot by the name of Rahab. And she, she didn't tell on them. She didn't do anything because she said, I've heard about your God. I've heard what he can do. It's all around here what your God's done. And, and I, I don't want God to do that to me. So I want to be in on whatever your God's doing. And so right then she trusted in faith the God of glory. And so they go back. They say, that thing is mighty fortified, but we can take it. And sure enough, God gave them the instructions. He told them to march around it seven times and blow the trumpets and the wall would come down. Everything would fall except Rahab's house. Now you say, that's just accidental. Now listen, what's the chances of that happening? What's the chances of a stone wall made out of a crumbling type mortar what is the chances of everything falling in the whole city except the town Rahab except the home Rahab and her family lived in 
And then God, before he sent them in there, he said, I want you to take, destroy everything in it. I don't want you to bring a cow out. I don't want you to bring a lamb out. I don't want you to bring any clothes out. I don't want you to bring any of that stuff out. He said, not one of you is to touch a thing. You leave it all there. So then they decide, well, man, we're doing good. So the next city comes up, and it's a little old bitty town. We think, man, it's, it's about like Watertown. We can run right through it. Except on yard sale day. And nobody can get through it. Man, I sure hope nobody ever gets sick on yard sale day in Watertown. Never get them to the hospital. But they said, Joshua, listen, this is a little bunch. No need in sending a lot of people out there to get them. We can knock them off, just a few, just few of us. Just a few of us bad boys go out there and get them. And so they get out there. Next thing you know, them boys from AI had them stomped, whipped, beat, and they were chasing them back. So they come back with their tail between their legs like whip puppies and saying something's wrong. We lost that battle. Joshua said, I told none of you to keep anything. But when they started defining each tribe, they got it down to a certain tribe, and then they got it down to a certain family, and that family was Achan. And this is all in Joshua chapter 6. If you want to look at it, Joshua 6, 18 and Joshua 6, 13 through 27, the whole story is there. And the Bible says that God said this, go get them all. God told Joshua to go get them all. The wife, the kids, all the belongings they had, everything, burn them, stone them, burn them with fire. He said, this place is to forever lay accursed to show the power of God. You say, well, why did he do the whole family? Because they're all in on it. Yeah, they're all in on it. He, hey, you, boy, I'll have me a nice home by the time I get up and get married. They're all in on it. And so if you want to keep your revival going, you need to keep yourself from what God said stay away from. If you want to put yourself where it is, you're going to find out you have nothing running through you. You know what happened as a result of that? Hear me today, church. You hear me. You know what happened as a result of one man that defied the living God and hid that junk in the middle of his tent in a dirt floor? You know what happened? 36 people died in that battle that would have never died had Achan not sinned. Friend, you cannot sin by yourself. And you cannot sin without somebody being affected. So leave the accursed thing alone. Help me this morning. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Stay away from it. You need to stay as far away as you can. But the Bible says that old Achan said he saw, he took, and then he was tried. And then they took him to the valley of Achor, which means trouble. And he was troubled. And I'd say he had trouble when them rocks started hitting their heads and when them fires started coming up around them. And friend, that's what will happen in your spiritual life. That's what will happen. And you'll affect your children. You'll affect 
people at church. You'll affect the choir. You'll affect your Sunday school class. You'll affect the deacons. You'll affect all the people in your church. You say, what am I supposed to do about it? Well, God says keep yourself from it. So that means you've got something to do with it. I'm just telling you, folks. God, you, you can't say, oh, you know, can I just have this Harry Potter magical spell come over me where I won't touch the accursed thing? No, you need to have the Holy Ghost spell come over you to where you'll touch the blessed thing. But if you mess with stuff that God said not mess with, you are in trouble. You say, what am I to do? If you'll confess your sin, if you do fail, if you do mess up, and, you know, some people, you know, they, they always come to me and say, how, how can I, you know, I just seem to keep going back to this sin. How do I, how, how, how do I just stay filled with the Spirit? So I, I first said, just quit sinning. That didn't work too good. Because I found myself sinning before they got home. So that didn't work too good. Then I said, well, let's just cut down on you sinning. That don't work too good either because you can't feel anything that's full of something else or half full of something else. So it has to be full. And so if you've got anything you're handling in your life or you're messing with in your life, anything or anybody or any place, you better be careful and keep yourself from it. It's not your wife's job to keep yourself from it. It's not your husband's job to keep the wife from it. Teenagers, it's not even your parents' job if you're saved to keep yourself from it because they're not with you all the time. They don't know what goes on in the backseat of those cars. They don't know what goes on behind the schoolhouse. They don't know what goes on in somebody's bedroom or apartment that you happen to run into. They don't see you, so you better keep yourself from the accursed thing. Number two, Keep yourself from idols. You see, this is for keepsake now. I'm giving you some keepsakes here. Keep yourself from the accursed thing. Secondly, keep yourself from idols. 1 John 5, 21 says, little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. That's the last thing he said in 1 John. I'm going to say he wrote that whole book to give you assurance of your salvation. And the very last thing he had to say to them was, little children, little born ones, little children of God, little baby Christians, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Well, you say, I don't have an idol. Yes, you do. I see them all the time. I have them. You have them. We make them, tear them down, make them, tear them down, make them, tear them down. Am I telling you the truth? You see, some of your vehicles are your idol. You know, I, 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 I bought a new truck not long ago, and I really love my new truck. I really did. I like my new truck. I still like my new truck. And, you, you know, I used to just... If, 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 I, if I did something like that, I'd just blow, blow smack dab up. I'd get so mad, I'd go out there and kick it again myself and put another dent in. I mean, I'm just, I couldn't stand it. And so I was going out here one night, and all of a sudden, there's a black fence run at me. You won't see it. You have to have a black-colored vehicle, but it runs right at black-colored vehicles. And it ran right at me in my new truck. 8,000 miles. Here it is, a fence running right into me. 
I didn't see that fence coming. And I'll tell you something, idols will get in your life the same way. You won't see it coming. But next thing you know, you're out there rubbing on it. You're out there scrubbing on it. You're buying little details for it. You're giving up groceries to make the payment on it. And bless God, I don't have to pay payment on it. And you got to do this and you got to do that. And that becomes your idol. Then, then your idol will become all these little I, all of these little technical gadgets that you got. Many of you can't even keep your head up for 10 seconds. You done got a, a bowed head complex, and it ain't from praying. It's from looking down. <laughs> if you pray as much as you text, help me. If you just pray as much as you text, we'd have had revival a long time ago at Hillcrest Baptist Church. And then maybe some of you, you're fishing, you're hunting, you're golf. Some of you ladies, I'm sorry, but shopping. But I don't have to name the idol. Now I'm fixing to make a Glenn statement. It's worth writing down. Not for many people, but maybe. Uh, but this. I won't name your idol because you already know what it is. And if you won't name it, you won't give it up. Well, Glenn, that's good preaching. Huh? So every now and then I do come up with a couple of lines. If you... I don't have to sit here and give you a list of idols. You'd know what it is. But if you won't name it, you won't leave it. Here's the third thing. Keep yourself in the love of God. It's in Jude verse number 21. If you want that river to keep flowing, you got to keep yourself from the accursed things. Don't you touch what God said not touch. And you also got to keep yourself from idols. You don't let anything get between you and God. Your sons, your daughters, your wife, your families, your house, your uncles, your aunts, your brothers, your sisters, nothing gets between you. You keep yourself from idols. And thirdly, you keep yourself in the love of God now, that was a tougher one for me as I looked at that one but then I read Revelation 2 verse 4 and the Bible said that Jesus cho cho told the church at Ephesus there he said I have somewhat against thee he named some good things about him but he said I've got something against you you have left your first love now he wasn't saying you got all you are lost in here he wasn't saying that or we'd have lost a whole age of the church age, right? So he couldn't have been saying that. He was saying some of you used to have a love for me that has waned. Something's happened to it. Matthew 24, 12 says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know why we get cold toward God? Because we get a little hotter toward sin. That's why. You'll get cold. You'll get, you'll get out of the love of God. Colossians 3 says this, If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is on the right hand. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. Let me ask you, where are your affections? 
That's how you'll know we're in love with God or not. Is he your number one affection? In fact, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, verse 6, he even says, if there's nothing in you that wants to love God, uh, I hate to inform you, but you don't know God. Now, we don't always love God, and we're to keep ourselves in the love of God. God always loves us, though, thank God. But if you have no intention to change your affections, and God's going to take somewhere down the line, then you have no chance for revival. When the Bible says, keep yourself in the love of God. John chapter 14, verse 21, um, I thought was a pretty interesting statement that was made. John 14, verse number 21, that Jesus said, I got to look in that. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I'll love him and will manifest myself to him. Look at verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. He goes from his law to his sayings. So he's not just saying hang the Ten Commandments off your dashboard. He's saying that you want to be so close to Jesus that everything he says you want to hear and you want to do what he tells you to do. You want to walk in the steps that he walks. You want to love the way he loves you. You want to love him. You can't, but you want to. And that was there. I looked at that verse 21. You know, I mean, this, is, this does confuse people. He that keepeth my commandments, he it is that loveth me, and he loveth me, love the Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now, is he any less here because he's there? <laughs> Or am I any less there because I'm here? You see, aren't you glad we have a God that's got all that figured out? Now, I'm not all here. A lot of people said that to me. But you know what? I'm not all here. Woo! I'm not. The Bible said when we got saved, he has raised us to sit in the heavenlies. And just because he's here doesn't mean he's not there. And just because I'm here don't mean I'm not there. Y'all get, do y'all get any of that? That makes sense? So keep yourself in the love of God. What is your greatest affection today? Up here. What is it? I tell you, there's some folks gone today, and I guarantee you I know where they're gone. They're gone somewhere that wouldn't honor God. They're out of church. They didn't get up this morning and take their kids to church, even if they're on vacation. They didn't even try to find a church. They didn't look in the yellow pages. And there, there was one six feet, six feet from the hotel. And they said, well, we just couldn't find a church, Brother Glenn. Be like that black fence. It'll run out there and hit you. You better be careful. And here's the last thing. The fourth thing, keep his words, John 14, 23. If a man love me, he will keep my words. In other words, obedience to God's word will keep you in the spirit of revival. 
That's just almost said about that. That's enough. Obedience to God's word. I'm not talking about picking you out four or five commandments that you don't that you you got you, you really got them covered, you've got them nailed, you've never had a problem with them. I'm talking about whatever Jesus has to say, whatever this book has to say. Listen, you want to keep those words. That won't you want that to be a part of your nature and a part of your life. You want to walk in the nature of the word that He has given you. So He said, Keep my words. That's your part, not mine, not anyone else's. It's my part to do it for me and your part to do it for you. Here's the last thing. Keep your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep the heart with all diligence, proud of it, other issues of life. The word keep means guard your heart. You put a, you put a watch on your heart. That means you never let your guard down. There's always something there to say, mm. So I want to ask you today, have you got your guard up or are you too busy with it down to even understand that you let the gate down a long time ago and you never put it back up? And that's why there's no revival in your life. Keep your heart. You see, the things of the heart things I can't deal with. You, you can't go to somebody and say, I see your heart. I know what's in there. You can't. You may do it, but you're dumb if you do. Because you don't know what's in a person's heart. You, you, a lot of folks not long ago, they was questioning what's in my heart. You don't know what's in my heart. I'll tell you what is in my heart more than any of you will ever know is this church. And with every day I was able, I've given it my heart. But some days I believe I gave it too much of my heart and not him enough of it. Where's your heart? You see, if you're jealous, I can't see that. If you're vindictive, I can't see that. If you've got hate, I can't see that. I might suspect it. I might discern it, but I can't see it. So he says, guard your heart. I've had some things. I guess I let a few things get to me. I don't usually do that. I'm pretty tough I most of the time let things roll off my shoulders but now when I hear somebody say something I'm ready to go jack their jaw I'm I'm serious some of you better th- count yourself lucky because you were number one on the list oh don't think oh you little runt you wouldn't do, oh, don't think I'd come like this Oh, no, no, I'd get the job done. If you had to from a distance, depending on how big you are. But I got thinking one day, if you're going to think like that, you're not guarding your heart. You've let something in your heart's not supposed to be there. 
You've let vengeance get in your heart. You've let some unforgiveness get in your heart. You've let some lack of believing in grace get in your heart. You've you've let a lack of faith in your heart. And, And I understand that. I realized right then that there's some things in our hearts that we don't even know about because we refuse to look for it. Five questions were done. Have you surrendered it up and confessed the accursed thing? Have you been putting up with things in your life you shouldn't and you know it? Till you want to surrender it, it will stay there and you will stay spiritually where you are or worse. And this church will lose a tributary that could make the Amazon bigger. Number two, what idol occupies your life? What is robbing God of your time? Number three, where is your affection? Are you devotedly in love with Christ? Do you love his Bible? Do you love his church? Do you love the preaching and the teaching and the praising that you get when you come to church? I don't tell you something fun. If that song a while ago, I know you're not supposed to say a while ago, but I, I was raised up something a while ago, you know. I don't think that's, that's about four words in one, but that's what it is. If that song just a few minutes ago didn't do something for you, your do something for you is messed up. Where's your affection? Fourthly, has rebellion and self-will kept you from keeping his words? You have not obeyed his words, and so you've quenched the spirit, you've hindered the spirit, you've resisted the spirit, and you've grieved the spirit, and you've lied to the spirit. Scary things. And number five. Have you thought anything about guarding what goes in here? Muddy little ditches in this place today. Up here, down here. Muddy little ditches today could become strong running streams that will flow into a pool of revival if God's people would just get filled with the Spirit of God. And the way to do that is when you keep yourselves from all these things, you won't have to fill yourself. God will do it for you. It'll be like walking around with a filling station just tucked under your arm. Or if you've got one of them little little electric cars that'll go 20 miles on a plug-in, you can take it with you wherever you go. Because God will never leave you on the road of life broke down. 